1: The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.
0: Oh, Luna, how do you get so high?
1: why we are here with empowerment coach energy healer and visionary author sharon rose washington why we are here is a portal of heartfelt communication designed to inspire you with expansive words of wisdom personal insight and open candor from luminary guests around the world now here's your host sharon rose washington
2: Hello and welcome to Why We Are Here. I'm your visionary host, Sharon Rose Washington. You have now entered into the comfortable atmosphere where luminaries from around the world join us to share their heartfelt contributions as to why we are here. Today, my insightful guest will illustrate how to maintain energetic, harmonious relationships of good health, wealth and wholeness. My anticipated guest is the love doctor, Dr. Terry Orbach, and she is one of the most trusted relationship experts in her field. Dr. Terry Orbach has been quoted in such national publications as USA Today, the New York Times, and Reader's Digest. She has also been interviewed by Katie Keurig, among many others, and has a 20 year private practice as a marriage and family therapist. Now, if that's not impressive enough, Dr. Terry Obrook is the author of five books, including her most recent, Finding Love Again Six Simple Steps to a New and Happy Relationship. So, if you're open and receptive for advice on how to sustain a loving relationship in every area of your life, then you're in the right place. And without further delay, the Love Doctor is in the house. Hello, Dr. Terry. Hello, Sharon. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to have you with us. Thank you for being here. Now, you're the love doctor. What made you choose your work? And, and did you know early on this would be your calling?
0: Well, I've I've been a psychologist for many years, but about nine or ten years ago, I realized that all the good research that I was doing as a research scientist really wasn't getting out there to real people in real relationships. So I coined myself the Love Doctor, and what I've been trying to do is take all that good relationship research that I'm doing as well as others and translate it, make it accessible to people in real relationships.
2: Now you're you're fund, you're funded by the um, what National Institute of Health?
0: Correct. I'm the director of a long-term project funded by the National Institutes of Health. I've been following the same 373 married couples now for over 26 years since 1986. All of the couples got married in 1986. And we've been following them, interviewing them both as individuals as well as a couple for the last 26 years. We even follow them, Sharon, when they get divorced. So I like to say now that I've been following 746 individuals, some of whom are still married to one another and some of whom are no longer married to one another. Wow. I mean, that's amazing. Would you just say, are
2: you just a sucker for love? Tell
0: me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a sucker for relationships. Absolutely. I love them. I mean, when you think about it, they're so important in our lives. They affect us both physically as well as mentally. And for me, Everything is a relationship, whether it's we walk into the coffee shop and order coffee, we have a pet, we have a romantic relationship, a friend. I think we even have relationships with our computer, our books. So for me, relationships are everything.
2: I agree. I totally agree. How important is it to love and how important are relationships?
0: Well, they are expensive. Extremely vital, essential to our health and well being, Sharon. I mean, people who are in happy and healthy relationships are so much more healthy physically as well as psychologically. So less likely to have the colds, the flus, the headaches, better heart health. We even know that people in happy, healthy relationships are more likely to live longer. We also know that people who are in happy, healthy relationships are less likely to be depressed and anxious. They sleep better, they're happier, and they're more optimistic about life in general as well as themselves. I would say they're vital, they're essential, they're really important to how we think and feel about life.
2: That's true. Now, as a relationship expert, you actually have one of the largest online dating sites for singles over 50. Is that correct?
0: Well, I'm the relationship expert for an online dating site called OurTime.com, and that is the largest online dating site for singles 50 years and older. I'm a huge advocate, Sharon, of online dating. I think it's a successful and very safe way for us to meet or singles to meet that someone special, and if you're busy, if you have children, or if you haven't been out in the dating scene for a long period of time. It's really a nice way to get your feet wet. You can actually communicate and connect with people at any hour of the day. You can sit in front of the computer in your pajamas and you can type something out to someone, look at it, edit it. You can even have a friend sit there with you and help you with your profile, help you connect with other people. And so I really think it's a wonderful mechanism, a wonderful way to meet that someone special.
2: Yeah. Now you also say that men fall in love faster than women do. I know a lot of women out there really want to hear this. Can you can you tell us about that? Well,
0: I think general, Sharon, um, there are a lot of myths and common sense notions out there about relationships, about love, and that's one of them. And the myth is that uh, women fall in love faster than men. And what we know when we look at research or the realities of relationships by looking at good scientific evidence is that it's the opposite. Men actually fall in love faster, sooner. Women, we're much more cautious and so collective and who we love we we get a picture of this person we ask this person questions we aren't fast in loving. Once we give love, we give love 100%, but we're very selective. And so it's really the men who fall in love faster, and it's not lust. It really is love. When you ask them, they report being in love faster, and men report being in love more times than women as well.
2: Okay. Would you say that um, even though men fall in love faster, that maybe they commit not as quickly, or what do you think?
0: Well, I actually think that they, well, first of all, it depends on what you mean by commit. But if you mean, I want to be with this person, I see a future with this person, actually men still are commitment-oriented faster than women. You know, we ask a lot of questions. We analyze relationships a lot more, Sharon, than men do. We think relationships more. We um, even when we're away from a relationship, we analyze it and we 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 obsess almost about it. And yeah. so, when we finally make a decision to commit, which takes more time, when we make a decision to love again, which takes more time, we really do it. But it takes longer for us.
2: Wow. You also say men get more upset by uh, sexual infidelity while women get more upset by emotional infidelity.
0: Yes, that is true. What makes men and women jealous or upset? is different, and men are much more upset by what you said, sexual infidelity, so if our partner, as a man, if my partner um, cheats on me and has a sexual relationship, I'm much more upset, I'm much more distressed, and I'm much more likely to experience jealousy than if my partner was emotionally attached and connected to someone else. Now, as women, we're much more upset, distressed, experiencing jealousy more if our partner has an emotional affair, reveals secrets to this person, goes to this person first, even before us, and discloses, wants advice, wants support. And we're much more bothered by emotional infidelity than sexual infidelity, and you know, there's a lot of reasons why that may be. Some are evolutionary, Sharon. Some of them may be because we're taught that we want more emotions and we want to feel more emotional connections with our partner as women than men do. Or when we think our partner, male partner, is um, emotionally connected with another woman, we think the sex goes along with that emotional connection. So there are lots of reasons why that difference may be occurring, but again, the findings are real significant that what makes men and women jealous are different.
2: Who forgives, uh, you know, in, in these cases easier? is it, I mean, is it the same or... Mm,
0: That's a good question. Um, If we're talking about who is more likely to trust again after betrayal or even who is more likely to forgive after betrayal, there are no differences between men and women. So men and women are just as likely to forgive and just as likely to rebuild trust after a betrayal. But on that note, Sharon, I should also say that when a betrayal occurs in a romantic Relationship, only one out of four couples is able to rebuild trust. Because when there's a betrayal like infidelity, that breaks the trust in a relationship, and trust is the number one essential, vital ingredient in a relationship. You need trust in order to commit, in order to feel love, and in order to go forward in a relationship. So when that trust is broken, when something happens to go against you know what we think should be in a relationship, and which is why we're trusting this partner, then only one out of four is able to rebuild trust and have a relationship again.
2: Okay. And is it true, um, you say, if you're a newlywed couple, you can improve your chances of, um, you know, marital happiness or bliss by eating together once a day? And and why is that?
0: (laughs) I do say that in my book, don't I? Um, I think Eating together at least once a day gives two partners time to have quality time together. What happens, I think, when people get married or when people commit is that we get really busy. You know, we start out in a romantic relationship with that honeymoon aura. Everything is wonderful and exciting. And then we get really busy with other things in our lives. We have children, we work, we volunteer, we want to exercise, eat healthy. And what happens to most people is that we put our relationship over on the back burner and we attend to everything else in our life except our relationship. We almost say, and this is is what the couple said in my long-term study, I'll get to my relationship, I'll pay attention to it once everything else dies down, once stress Disappears in these other areas of my life. But years, months, Decades go by and we don't take that relationship off of the back burner. When you sit down then and have a meal, when you eat with your partner, that allows you to slow down, that allows you to talk to one another, and again, that allows you to have some quality time where you can not pay attention to all the other distractions in your life.
2: That makes a lot of sense. I mentioned earlier you've authored five books and uh, Finding Love Again is your most recent. What's the inspiration behind the book and its title?
0: Well... As I said, I've been following the same 373 married couples now for over 26 years. 46% of those married couples have divorced over time. And it's about the national average. When we look at the national average, it's between 45 and 50%. So what I did was is look at just the divorced individuals and look at How did they cope? How did they adjust? did they find new love and what are the factors or strategies they use to find new love again this book then is all on those uh, singles, the spouses that got divorced and what they did to find new love again and I think the most important thing about the book is that 71% of the divorced singles in my study found new love again and I think that's an optimistic, very Positive statistic. So, if anyone listening isn't sure, doesn't know if they can find new love again, feels like they're too old or it's too impossible, that's a wonderful, hopeful statistic. Yeah, I, I agree, and I just want to say I I
2: read the book, I read this book, and it's wonderful. And I realized while reading it, Doctor Terry, that information is power. You know, um, and most of us we kind of. Uh, When we're in relationships, we we pick up from the opposite sex sex things um, through trial and error. And this book kind of can help you along the way where uh, you don't necessarily even have to do that, uh, uh, the trial and error part, you know?
0: Exactly. And I agree with you. I think knowledge is power. And what this book gives you are findings with real divorce singles, what they did, what they tried that worked or didn't work. So by reading it, you can change your attitudes, change your emotions and your behaviors just slightly. And that's the real key in the book, that it's just small changes in your attitudes, emotions and behaviors that will allow you to get back out there and the right person because you know yourself. Once you know yourself, you know your attitudes, your key life values, you can find the right person. And you don't have to fall into the trap of being attracted or having a relationship with the same kind of person that didn't work the first mm-hmm.
2: time. Yeah, you have beautiful areas in the book um, such as Did You Know?, and you have an area that says women's friendships are typically face-to-face and are built on support and talking things through. And then men's friendships are usually side-by-side and focus on shared activities. Um, we're wired so differently,
0: aren't we? Really? are. You know, as a psychologist, I think that men and women are similar on many behaviors in many areas. But I think when it comes to relationships, we're still very different. We ask different questions um, to see if we're happy in those relationships and we do different things in those relationships that make us happy or not. And the findings that you just reported are about friendships. And what we know is that men and women do their friendships very differently. And I'm sure if we think about it, we can really see those differences. If we think about women and how women do friendships, they talk a lot with one another. We call each other and we want to have coffee. We want to talk on the phone. And we do our friendships face-to-face. And talk is such an essential part of that. But men, on the other hand, don't use talk as a way to to build and bond and reinforce that friendship. They do do activities with one another, and that's what develops the friendship. So men play sports together, they play games together, they watch games together, and that's how they bond and become close. And they do, again, their friendship side to side then. So, you know, when a man and a woman are in a relationship then, they're very Different, the activities and the way they build closeness is very different, and understanding that that knowledge again is power
2: beautiful now you also um, have in your book how singles uh, can make one change in their daily routine and stick with it for at least uh, I think you said twenty one days twenty one days right and, and they're twice as twice as likely to find new love. Can you tell us one of those things or something they might change or, or how that works?
0: It works is that when people are going through a divorce or a long-term breakup, we tend to cling to that which is familiar to us because it's very challenging to get divorced, to break up from a long-term relationship. So we want to do and be with people who are familiar. Um, But what you really want to do, I found, is the opposite. You want to change your behavior very slightly, not a big change, and that's when then doing something unfamiliar, doing something that you haven't done, gets you out of the rut and you're able to meet new people, do new things, and experience new things. For example, one of the big changes, actually the small changes, but the common change that I found in my study with the divorce singles is that they decrease increased the number of hours they worked in a week. So when you do that for at least three weeks or 21 days, you're much more likely to take those hours and do something else. You're much more likely to go to the gym or go to a movie or go for a walk outside or go to a book club or go to a lecture. And at those other activities and events, you're much more likely to meet someone. You're much more likely to feel different about yourself.
2: Okay, now I have a lot of women clients and friends that are single. they want marriage, uh, yet I have male friends and single clients that aren't as anxious to get married um, what What do you say are things changing what what's going on
0: Well, I think um in terms of wanting a long term relationship on um, both men and women are still and continue to want a long-term relationship. So even though we may hear in the media that people are fleeing from intimacy or want to be single or think singlehood is much better than having a long-term relationship, those are just myths again and common sense notions. Most People want a significant other in their life. Whether or not that long-term relationship is living together or a long-term relationship or marriage varies. It may vary by your age. It may vary by the past relationship. But what I find is that the most significant thing that impacts whether you want marriage again or, quote, just a long-term relationship, and I say that, Sharon, because it is significant, but I put that just in there because I'm contrasting it with marriage, but the main predictor is whether or not you're still emotionally attached to a past relationship. And many people are still emotionally attached to a past relationship. So they're still feeling the anger or they're still feeling the paining, the longing for that previous relationship or that former partner. And this can be months, years, or many years after the actual break or the final divorce. So what you want to remember is that when you emotionally separate, when you're able to say to yourself that you don't emotionally feel anything for your former partner, your ex-partner, that's when you're much more likely to move forward, move on, find new love, and be ready for marriage again.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. Now, before we break for commercial, I'd like to thank our listeners out there who have supported the stars who honor Southern California Latinos Leaders in Education Awards. The Hispanic Scholarship Fund is the nation's leading provider of college scholarships to Latinos who have persevered to bring higher education to themselves, their families, and their communities. A few celebrities involved are actors, Adam Rodriguez, Jesse Garcia, and Cheech Marin. Now, for more information about the Hispanic Scholarship Fund, please visit hsf.net. That's hsf.net. And we have to take a short break for commercial. If you'd like to reach us at Voice America's Why We Are Here, please go to Sharon at whywearehere.info and let us know what's on your heart and mind. And we'll be right back with my remarkable guest, Dr. Terry Orbach. Stay tuned for more.
1: Don't you love to experience formidable personal transformational changes to highly benefit your life and those around you? Do you want to eradicate anything holding you back from living with focused clarity in a harmonious lifestyle of the highest of intent, vitality and abundant well-being? Empowerment coach, energy healer and visionary author Sharon Rose Washington is here to assist you in the revolution of your evolutionary self. In these unpredictable times, it is important to connect with one's own pure inner power base of expansive creativity heightened intuition, and radiant fulfillment. To contact visionary Sharon Rose Washington for information or to make an appointment, call 323-960-5167 or email Sharon at whywearehere.info for a free introductory consultation. For immediate empowerment coaching and energetic transformational healing services, please call 866-231-HEAL. That's 866-231-HEAL. It's time to celebrate the joyful life of the authentic origin you were meant to live. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Welcome back to Why We Are Here with empowerment coach, energy healer, and visionary author Sharon Rose Washington. If you have a question about the program or would like to share a comment, Please send an email to Sharon at WhyWeAreHere.info. That's Sharon at WhyWeAreHere.info. Now, back to the show.
2: And we are back with my dynamic guest, the love doctor, Dr. Terry Arbuck. Hi, Dr. Terry.
0: Hello, Sharon. Nice to be here.
2: Now, what do you enjoy most about your work?
0: Oh, wow, that's a great question. I love writing. I really do. I love taking the research findings of this long-term research project and writing about it, especially if the findings are surprising or they're opposite to what people think think should be happening in a relationship. I love that. Um, So I really like doing that. I also love talking on radio and and being on television and writing blogs, but I think the writing is my most favorite.
2: That's wonderful. Now, do you believe in soulmates? That's a term that's used a lot now in twin flames. Uh, Do you believe in soulmates or that we all have like a, a twin flame?
0: No, I don't actually, Sharon. I do believe that people out there are better for us than others, but I don't believe that there's only one person out there. Um, And so if we're talking about a soulmate in the pure sense, that there is one and only one love out there, I don't believe in that. I, I think that really what people are looking for is someone who is similar to them in their key life underlying values, like importance of religion or children or even lifestyle. And at different points in our life, someone fits us differently or fits us in a compatible way. But as we change and as we change our key life values, that person who might be compatible with us might be different.
2: Yes, change is everything, isn't it?
0: Mm hmm is bad. I really think change is positive. And if we could look at that, that would be a really revelation for change in relationships. It's okay when our partner changes. It's okay when our our relationship changes over time. That's good. It actually adds a little excitement and romance and passion to our relationship.
2: Right. Well, the one thing it is, it's constant. That's for sure.
0: Yes. <laughs> <It's>
2: true. <laughs> yeah. Now, when starting out in a new relationship and meeting someone, this is for the people out there that are starting out in new relationships, does someone, um, how do they determine whether they're in
0: love or in
2: lust? Mm. Well, I think the
0: first important thing to ask yourself is how long you've been with this person. What we know is that when you do first meet someone who you're attracted to and who, oh, you're aroused by, We become what we call passionately in love with that person. And what happens is that we don't see that person for who they really are. We don't see their faults, which everybody has, and we really idealize or glorify them. Also, um, we're just in a different state, both chemically as well as physically. And so that we need to let those hormones die down. We need to let them decline so that we can see this other person for who they really are, and we can evaluate our relationship in a different way. So I think the most important thing is to give it time. A second thing I think we should ask ourselves is, would we go to this person if we had a trouble, if we had a concern, a medical scare, we lost our job? What we want is... Companionate love. We want support and friendship from someone. And so if the answer is yes, that we would go to this person, and this would be the person that we would ask for support from, then we're beginning to love this person rather than lust after this person.
2: Makes sense. Now, what are some no-nos if there are things to never, ever, ever do in a relationship?
0: when we're starting out first, I think the important thing is don't disclose everything on the first few dates. You really want to disclose gradually to this person. And, you know, many of my clients, many of the people in my long-term study believe that after they've experienced a divorce or a breakup of a long-term relationship, that when they meet somebody, they're just going to put it all out on the table. They're going to tell this person about everything, and if that person accepts them and likes them, then it was meant to be. I would argue that that's just too Overwhelming, And what we know studies show is that people really flee if you disclose everything. It's almost like being on an airplane and sitting next to someone who just sort of vomits everything to you. Not literally, <laughs> but emotionally. <laughs> and they tell you about everything in their life. You really don't want to sit there. You want to leave. And that's the same thing on a first date or a first few dates. So gradually self-disclose. Also on those first few dates, you don't want to talk about your ex-relationship. You just don't know who this person knows. You don't know their situation. And I think the important thing and what's so attractive to another person when you're first dating is a positive, optimistic approach. What I found is that people who are hopeful People who are optimistic and positive are significantly more likely to meet someone, find new love, and maintain a relationship over time. We're attracted to people who are positive, and when we're in a long-term relationship, that optimism and positive approach actually rubs off on our partner and motivates us to move forward in a relationship. So it sounds like
2: positivity is is one of the very basic uh, tips to maintaining or even getting into a relationship. Um, I was going to ask you for a couple of simple tips
0: and I think that 's the first one that I would give is to try to remain positive and optimistic when you 're dating. And try to remain positive and optimistic when you're in a relationship. The second tip that I would give is that when you're in a long-term relationship, it's so essential that you and your partner do what I call fight fair. Um, what I found is that all couples have conflict, disagreements, where they're not going to agree on everything, and that is okay. Um, four of the couples in year one in my long-term study said we never do conflict. None of those four couples were still together in year three. So all couples have conflict. But it's how you do the conflict that really is predictive and essential for whether or not you're still together over the long term. So if you're in a relationship, make sure that you do conflict constructively, that you take a break, that you fight fair, no name calling, that you don't just leave or stonewall your partner, and that you... Don't do what I call kitchen sinking. Kitchen sinking is where you bring everything up into the conversation, the disagreement at once. Stay yeah. on one topic at a time. It's also a really good predictor of if you're right with a partner. So when you're dating and you want to know, is this person right for me? Ask yourself how the two of you do conflict together, because how you do conflict now is significantly predictive of how you will do conflict in the future, and that is predictive of whether or not you stay together over the long haul.
2: Yeah, yeah. Now, many people, they talk of destiny, you know, when they're meeting. This is my destiny. Do you believe
0: in destiny? Well, what do you mean by destiny? Do you mean that soulmate kind of approach? You know, and sometimes I've had
2: people say, well, I've met so-and-so, and I, I believe he's a part of my destiny, you know, or or I'm destined to be with this person.
0: I am under the belief That we are in control of our own relationships, Sharon, that Mm -hmm. we have control to change uh, previous uh, behaviors, things that didn't work well, patterns that were dysfunctional. We have the ability to detach emotionally from the past so we can move forward. And we have the ability to pick right or not so right people for us. So to me, that puts all the responsibility, all of the power, and all of the control into the individual, rather than into the meeting or into others being there or not being there for a relationship.
2: Yes, uh, when you mentioned empowerment, this is the empowerment shuttle. What is it? Uh, how's it, how do you feel about um, what it means to be empowered?
0: I think to be empowered means that you have the you have the ability to change yourself regardless of your past so if you've been betrayed if something happened in your childhood If you don't have the right resources, whether they be money or job or education, you have the ability to take your past and change it. And that for me is empowering, as well as I think you have the ability to control your future. When you know yourself, when you like and love yourself, when you know what is right for you, what makes you happy and your own needs, then you have the ability ability to pick the right people and to have the right relationship?
2: Yeah, I think that's a great answer. You know, having the ability to change yourself, empowerment I think that's a wonderful answer. Thank you, Dr. Terry.
0: Thank you. It's a a very good question. I've never been asked, so it was interesting for me to actually think about what do I really mean by that? I say it a lot, as I'm sure we all do, Um, but to actually then think about what does it mean is a different story.
2: It's true. Now, does marriage, uh, to some people, mean they'll be giving up their freedom? And um, if so, um, are men more so than women to, to, to think about giving up their freedom? And and what can uh, each partner do to let the other know that their freedom lies in being with them?
0: Well. In- Interestingly enough, one of the key findings in my study is that time for self, having your own space, having some privacy was essential the happiness and the stability of the relationship. So those partners who
1: don't have time
0: for self, who don't have their own space, were significantly more likely to be unhappy in their relationship and that relationship was more likely to end or have divorce in the future. So time for self, having your own freedom To do the kinds of things that you need to do to make yourself happy. Time for self is extremely important. And when you get married, it does not mean then that you need to do everything with your partner, that you need to have the same friends, and that you can not them. Go to your partner and say, "I want to take this class, I want to do this. That is okay, and it 's so important for the happiness When you think about it, many of the couples in my study said that then when they did have time for self, they took a class, um, they read their own you know a, a book or they went to a lecture by themselves. Um, they brought the information back to the relationship, and that new information then add it and passion and romance into the relationship. Now, what we know is that women have a much more difficult time asking for that space, asking for time for self than men do. And I think it's because, again, something that I talked about at the beginning of the show is that women are more relationship-oriented. We are much more other-oriented in our relationship, and we're much more likely to analyze what's happening in the relationship. Men will do a relationship where they will have a disagreement, then they will leave and they're done with it. Instead, women do a disagreement or a conflict and they hold on to it for two to three days. So women have a much more difficult time as well asking for time for self or space but it is essential and important for the happiness in that relationship
2: now dr terry you're the love doctor and you're all about love and relationships can we ask if you're in a relationship or are you in love right now
0: i am in love sharon i have been married to my husband for 21 years
2: beautiful
0: Yes, and I should tell you that I do not have a perfect relationship. I don't think anyone has a perfect relationship. There are ups and there are downs. And I try to take the findings from my long-term research project on marriage and divorce, the same strategies that I write about in my books, into my own marriage. And, in fact, I give the book to my husband to read as well.
2: (laughs) Yes, yes. No, I, I agree. Nothing's perfect. I try in, in, uh, in my relationship, in my marriage, uh, my husband and I, we, have, we decide that we're to be respectful and loving toward one another and respectful for ourselves, too, and that's that kind of what works for us as well.
0: Yes, absolutely. But no relationship is perfect, no matter how much you know about relationships, whether you're a counselor or a therapist or even whether you're doing lots and lots of research on relationships because, you know, when you think about it, you have two people who are from different backgrounds and families and neighborhoods, sometimes religions and classes. And we come to that relationship with expectations. And unless we can communicate our expectations, our ideals, our needs, and our wants, our partner doesn't know what's in our head and in our heart. And so sometimes we forget that we have to tell our partner what we want and need.
2: Yeah and try to keep the love alive out there.
0: Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Communication is key, um, and sometimes couples fall into what I call man- maintenance talk, where they're talking about the kids or who's going to do the groceries, the bills, call mom. And instead, we still need to communicate like we did when we first met one another. We need to ask each other about our goals, our dreams, our wants, our desires, our stressors, or even, you know, if you won the lottery, where would you want to travel to and why? Why? And couples Mm -hmm. forget those kinds of questions and discussions over time, but we really want to mimic the beginnings of our relationship because that's what really led to happiness and excitement, and it really allowed us to get to know our partner. So constantly, regardless of how long you've been together or married, ask the questions so that you can really get to know what makes your partner or spouse tick.
2: Yeah, I think that's fantastic. Before we take a quick break, I'd like to announce the winners of our contest. We asked all of you out there to email or tweet us to tell us your version of why we're here. And over a few weeks of receiving many responses, we finally found our winners. And the winners are first prize winner, Pandora of Eugene, Oregon, and second prize winner is Eduardo of Chula Vista, California. Now, as promised, you'll both receive a few awesome gifts for your responses. Uh, Pandora says, why we're here is an unfolding, unscripted, yet orchestrated life journey Inclusive of minerals, plants, animals, stars, rain, and everything in between. And just asking the question, why we are here, uh, she says, bring substance and a loving connection to a higher power, causing all who answers to become alive and present. Uh, thank you, Pandora, for that. And Edgardo's uh, take on why we are here is to experience sentiency by becoming part of all things that require respect and care. Congratulations to the both of you, and we'd also like to thank everyone out there uh, who sent in to Sharon at whywearehere.info their own versions as to why we are here. Okay, let's take a quick break. In the meantime, you may find me on Twitter at Sharon Isis Rose or email Sharon at whywearehere.info if you have any questions for our celebrated guest, the love doctor, Terry Orbach. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after the following announcement.
1: Wouldn't you love to experience formidable, personal, transformational changes to highly benefit your life and those around you? Do you want to eradicate anything holding you back from living with focused clarity in a harmonious lifestyle of the highest of intent, vitality, and abundant well-being? Empowerment coach, energy healer, and visionary author, Sharon Rose Washington, is here to assist you in the revolution of your evolutionary self. In these unpredictable times, it is important to connect with one's own pure inner power base of expansive creativity. Heightened intuition and radiant fulfillment. To contact visionary Sharon Rose Washington for information or to make an appointment, call 323-960-5167 or email Sharon at whywearehere.info for a free introductory consultation. For immediate empowerment coaching and energetic transformational healing services, please call 866-231-HEAL. That's 866-231-HEAL. It's time to celebrate the joyful life of the authentic origin you were meant to live. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Welcome back to Why We Are Here with empowerment coach, energy healer, and visionary author Sharon Rose Washington. If you have a question about the program or would like to share a comment, please send an email to Sharon at whywearehere.info. That's Sharon at whywearehere.info. Now, back to the show.
2: Hello, welcome back once again. I'm your visionary host, Sharon Rose Washington, here with my luminary guest, Dr. Terry Orbach, the love doctor. Hi, Dr. Terry.
0: Hello, Sharon.
2: What is your take on why we are here?
0: Mm, I think we're here to grow and develop not only within ourselves, but to encourage others to grow and develop as well and to be the best that we can be, not only again for ourselves, but for others.
2: Beautiful. Now we have a couple of questions that have come in on the email, sharing at whywe'rehere.info, uh, from a few of our listeners. Uh, are you Great. ready to answer a few questions? I
0: am and excited to answer the questions.
2: Okay. The first question is from Blair from New Haven, uh, Connecticut. Blair wants to know if marriage, uh, they're recently going through a divorce, and if marriage is dying and are more people either single or living together. Um, and she also has a second part to the question. She also asks if other uh, countries are following uh, she, the trend in U.S. when it comes to um, divorce or commitment.
0: Well, I should say, that in the United States the divorce rates actually have been decreasing since the 1980s. So in the 1980s the divorce rate was 66%. In the 90s it was 50%. And now we're right above 45%. Somewhere between 45 and 50%. The divorce rates in the United States or in Western cultures are higher than other cultures. Um, and there are many reasons because of uh, individualism, because of technology, Um, because of industrialization. So divorce rates are higher in the United States. Um, I do not think that marriage is dead. We still, when we ask people whether or not they want to get married, even after divorce, most people, the majority say, I do want to find a long-term relationship and I do want to get married. Again, like we spoke earlier, I think it all has to do with how you see your prior relationship, your ex-partner, your ex-relationship, and whether or not you're emotionally still attached. And if you can separate emotionally, very difficult to do. Um, My book talks all about how to do that effectively. But when you can emotionally separate, then you're much more likely to want new love again and want to get married again.
2: And Blair is uh, 46 years old, um, newly Uh, going through a divorce, she wants to also know how to get back out there.
0: Now the first thing is to emotionally separate. We all have emotional baggage, but we don't want to have huge, heavy baggage. So you want to write a letter to your ex, put all your emotions out in that letter, and then don't send the letter. This exercise is for you, but it allows you to get your emotions out on paper. And then keep the letter. Write the letter again a week later and then a week later. And as you continue to do this you are purging some of your emotions. Second, exercise. We know that when you are able to physically do something and get the adrenaline going, you again are able to purge some of the emotions. Third, what we know is that spending time with friends and family, being with people who love you, who want to be with you, who can give you the compliments, also can allow you to get back out there. And then the attribution, the blame statement, for why the relationship uh, broke up or terminated is also very important. If you blame you or your partner, your ex-spouse, for why the relationship marriage ended, you're still more likely to hang on to the anger. But if you can do what I call relationship blame statements, they're we statements. We were too young. We weren't ready. We were incompatible with one another. Those we statements, those relationship statements allow you to separate emotionally more from your prior relationship and then get back out there.
2: Okay, fantastic. We have several more questions from different people, so let's move on to Leonora. Uh Leonora's from Santa Fe, New Mexico. She wants to know if you can tell her what men really want, and she also says, um, does it matter how soon uh, a a couple sleeps together when when they first meet? If the chemistry's there, shouldn't she just go for it?
0: Mm, Very good questions, Leonora. First, what do men want? They want what I call affective affirmation. They want to be validated, noticed, complimented. What I found in my study is that men crave validation from their female partners, wives, and girlfriends. And that's because they don't get it from anyone else in their lives. We get it. From our sisters, our best friends, from everybody in our life. So men need to be noticed, cared for. So give him the compliments. Tell him he's great. He looks sexy in his jeans. He's a really good friend. Say thank you. Any small gesture, either in words or behaviors, are really important to his happiness. What was the second question again that
2: Leonora asked? Um, she asked about chemistry. Um, oh. if, if, if the couple has chemistry, should the woman just
0: go for it? Well, I think chemistry is very important. It's essential in a relationship. It's not the only important ingredient in a relationship. I would encourage people to wait until they form the other kind of bond, which is the emotional connection. Because if we act on only chemistry, we then may regret what we've done afterwards. And what I found in my study is that when divorced singles or singles in general act on just chemistry, they then believe that there's something there when there may not be. So wait just a little bit until you can form some commonalities, some similarity some compatibility and then connect it with the chemistry okay
2: next questions from harvell of uh, san clemente california he's 44 and he wants to know if prenup's the only way to go he's been married before and he didn't have one he's making more money now with an international business and he has a woman 10 years his junior
0: i think prenuptials are fine as long as you communicate with your partner and they're okay about a prenuptial agreement. What I find is that oftentimes when the topic comes up people take it personally. You don't trust me. You don't you think I'm we're not going to survive as a couple. And so what you really need to do is build up to the discussion and have the discussion, that it's not a matter of trust, it's not a matter of this partner, but it's a matter of business Over 50% of the couples in my study decided not to even merge finances together the second time around. Because money is such a source of conflict in relationships, it actually spills over into the next relationship. So talking about money, talking about why money might be an issue in the next relationship, and talking about prenuptial agreements is essential for whether or not you you can do it and whether or not... That it will be effective in your next relationship.
2: Okay, and that's thank you, Harville, for that question. And we have uh, one last question from Courtney. She's from Phoenix, Arizona. And she says Can people marry uh, with a relationship built on finances? Can that work, or um, is love a factor?
0: Oh, love is a factor. You know, it's very important to look at the finances and to be compatible in terms of your approach to money and compatible in terms of your approach to religion and children and family and even your approach to lifestyle. So compatibility is important and it's an essential ingredient for people staying together over the long haul, but it can't be the only ingredient. You do want to have love and respect romance and excitement because you know relationships are fun they're all about personal growth and you want to be able to laugh with this person so yes be practical in your decision but also have fun in your relationships because they surely can be fun and allow you to grow personally
2: beautiful dr terry what means most to you in your life
0: Oh, my relationships are their most important relationships. My relationships, my children, my husband, my friend, my own family. Um, they're so important to me, not only that I keep in touch and make contact with those people if I'm not living with those people anymore, especially my, my family of origin, but also that... I give them validation and affirmation. People want to be noticed. They want their special qualities to be recognized and addressed. And so making sure I recognize those special, unique qualities in each and every one of my relationships is so important to me.
2: Right. And your book, Finding Love Again, Six Simple Steps to a New and Happy Relationship, is available. And how may we find you again? Is there a way on the Internet and so forth?
0: Yes, my website is at Dr. Terry, D-R-T-E-R-R-I, com, and you can connect with me on Facebook and Twitter, and all of that is on my website.
2: Okay, and before you go, I'm in love with the Matrix movies, and I have a question I ask all of my guests. Do you take the red pill or the blue pill?
0: Oh, you have to tell me which each represents, Sharon. I'm sorry, I, I can't do it. It's just, just take a pick. I've had guests say the green pill. Oh, so just pick a pill. It doesn't mean anything. You mean well, you can give it meaning? Do you know? Okay. Just- Well, red, I would take the red pill. Red to me means love, it's heart, and the heart is where the soul is in in my life and in the life of the people that I surround myself with. So that's why I would take the red pill.
2: Okay, spectacular. Uh, Dr. Terry, it's been an adventure and a pleasure having you on Why We're Here. Thank you so much for coming on.
0: Thanks so much for having me, Sharon. It's been wonderful.
2: Take care. And now for my final thought. My guest today, Dr. Terry Orbach, known as the Love Doctor, is a cohesive presence dedicated to the study of relationship building and how to make it work at its best. She has earned her present-day reputation as a healing force, a therapist, professor, research scientist, author, and rightfully, the title, the Love Doctor. I'm honored to have shared her wisdom with all of you out there. The divine essence of creation is asking us all to wake up. And live the magical essence that lies within each and every one of us. We are all gifts and gifted if only we seek to be all we are meant to be. It is essential that we all take a moment to pause in wonder and gratitude while pontificating on why we are here. No life is meaningless. No breath is wasted. Until next time, please keep me in your hearts. And I promise to always keep you in mind. Remember the magnificent kingdom queendom lies within. Stay rooted in Mother Earth, lifted by Father Sky, and continue to walk with the ancestors. Have an enchanting evening. I'm your host, empowerment coach, healer, visionary author, Sharon Rose Washington.
1: We hope you've enjoyed listening to visionary author Sharon Rose Washington and her insightful luminary guest. Please join us for another powerfully transformative show next Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on Why We Are Here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For questions, information, and appointments, Sharon can be reached at Sharon at whywearehere.info. Or for direct empowerment coaching and healing, call 866-231-HEAL. That's 866-231-HEAL.